Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing everything Cuddy Sark. We'll go through the history of the distillery, current news, and of course, our personal favorite aspect of the show, the tasting. With me, as always, is my intrepid and brilliant co-host, Andy Kleshik. Andy, how you doing today? Pretty good. You know, not too bad. Try to enjoy kind of this warm spell of weather we've been having recently here in Cincinnati. At least for the time of year, warm weather. Yeah, it's been nice to get get that warm weather rolling in. Yeah. All right. Are you feel? I know you got to be. You're the one who picked this one out, so you got to be feeling pretty good about this episode, yeah. right? Yeah. I've uh, very excited, kind of, for this one because it's always one I've heard, like as an introductory scotch, like a decent one. Um, yeah. And I've heard some interesting rumors about like their history and everything, so it's kind of one that I wanted to try just out of the kind of just pulled it out of nowhere. I thought to try and do an episode on definitely. Well, speaking of which, why don't we jump right on in. Andy, tell the folks out there everything they need to know about Cuddy Sark. Of course. So this one is um, kind of a little bit of an interesting backstory. Um, They were, even though they're technically a scotch whiskey, um, and all the, you know, underlying um, liquid in in each bottle is from Scotland as a requirement, they were actually founded in... um, 1923 in London, or at least that's when the idea for them was thought up um, by the founders um, in London. They were trying to find a way to make a great Scotch whiskey, um, and that was where they first thought to do it. Um, and it was something, of course, they wanted to really start out making it a um, like an international brand. Uh, I know a lot of brands, you know, in America and Scotland and elsewhere, at least in the whiskey game, you know, want to start out in their home market. But Cuddy Sark, I think, really wanted to sit there and start out thinking internationally with their focus uh, because it was something that, you know, one of the big, when they were founded, uh, the year they were founded, um, was right during American Prohibition. So they wanted to try and find a way kind of one of their immediate markets that would have made the most success, at least legally speaking, make the most success for them was shut off. Um, so they, uh, you know, they wanted to try and find a lot of different markets that they could do it and create that name so that by the time at least that American prohibition was done, um, they could sit there and capitalize right off of it. And the brand is... um actually named after a uh, ship. I think it was, a, I know it was the British ship, but I think if I get my information right on it, I think it was an old military ship um, in the British fleet, uh, the Cuddy Sark, um, back in the day, like the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, that, and I think that ship was later... Um, like decommissioned and sailed into London for showing and display, at least during that time. I don't know that it's still that like you can go visit it, but at the time you could at least go visit it. Hmm. Um, and like I said, like their kind of initial focus was to break the game, especially internationally um, and especially in the U S and garner a lot of notoriety in the U S uh, so that once prohibition there ended, um, you know, immediately they could st- just like kick it off and just make boatloads of money. 
Um, and it was something that, you know, initially, of course, because they wanted to hit it, try and hit it big, so to speak, in the United States uh, during the middle of Prohibition, couldn't really do that. So how did they do it? Well, they um, they were one that, at least into America, um, were being run illegally. And um, it was one of the big folks that um, ran it during that time for them was um, Bill McCoy, uh, who ran it right in the rum row, which is... For anybody that kind of knows their liquor history in general, especially U.S. Prohibition history, uh, that was like a row kind of like right along the eastern seaboard, especially into the Caribbean, mm. where um, where you could sit there and get it, like at least into like some of those Caribbean islands, and then maybe get it illegally into the U.S. Uh, and this is where one of the rumors I think that I've heard. Um, a few years back, if it's true, some of the Kennedys, like the John F. Kennedy family, yeah. um, are famous for having bought some of this to bring it into the U.S. Um, it Again, as far as I know, that's just a rumor. But if it is true, um, you know, you definitely had some high-powered buyers there. Yeah, I'm um, Bringing it in. Um, so, you know, that's how they kind of first got their foothold in the U.S. Um, so that by the time Prohibition was done, they were really making boatloads of money because obviously the Kennedys, anybody that knows that family, obviously very politically connected and sure. fairly wealthy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you got in with a wealthy crowd, if the rumors are true there. But, um, you know, then, of course, Prohibition was done. Um, by the beginning to mid-1930s in the U.S., um, you know, by 1927, for everyone for everyone else not under prohibition, um, they were, you know, showing up on, like, export price lists for about, and I don't know what it would be in, like, current market trade, what this pricing would stand to, um, but at least per their website, um, in 1927, they were, like, for 12 bottles of Cuddy Sark. I think this was for a 700 to 750 milliliter bottle. It was 56 shillings per 12 bottles. Mm. Um, which, like I said, I don't know what that would translate to with current, like, currencies and everything. Sure. Um, especially into the U.S. Um, but, you know, something like, like I said, especially post-Prohibition, because they were kind of getting run into the United States illegally to start, um, you know, they definitely rapidly grew in the U.S. Um, in a legal manner now. Um, and it was something that, you know, by 1961, so in about 30, like 25 to 30-ish years, they, um, you know, ended up becoming the best-selling scotch, or at least the best-selling blended scotch in the u.s by 1961 wow um so you know fairly meteoric rise in terms of legally distributing it here um and of course you know they've had a bunch of different awards and everything else but there's a lot of other um you know a lot of other rumors around them about how they ran and everything like that but they were um in especially being a new brand but uh, or a newer brand for scotch, at least, since most scotches are, like, 
established legally or illegally in the 1700s or 1800s. Right. They fairly quickly established their name. But, um, you know, and also won a number of different awards. Um, and it was something that they ended up, um, in 1971, two of the big ones, at least the big British awards that they could have won. Um, in 1971 and 81, they won the Queen's Award for Export, which I forget what that award is supposed to be. I didn't look that up, but they won that in those two years at least. Nice. Um, of course, that's not to um, also discount their, you know, famous on-screen um, appearances hmm. that they've had. You know, they've had some very, for anybody, especially that watches TV, they've had some very famous appearances. Um you know, if you've watched Mad Men, if you watched The Sopranos or Goodfellas, they've appeared there uh, on those three shows, as well as uh, Raging Bull and The Associate. Just to name a few, like, very well-known shows. Yep, I recognize them from Goodfellas, Sopranos, and Raging Bull. Yeah. So, um... Never seen Mad Men. I need to, I need to watch you it, need to, Dude, you need to get into that one. I That's really got, do. like, a lot of big whiskeys on it and everything. Yeah. And it's an amazing show to watch. Yeah, I really need to watch that show. Especially if you're, um... God, what's his name? Um, John Hamm, especially yeah. if you're a fan of like his work. Oh, for sure. You'd like it. Yeah, definitely. I need it. I, I do. I really need to check it out. Yeah. But, um, again, they're, they're one, they're a brand that kind of has like found what, as far as products go, like found what has worked for them and stuck to it. They only have two products on the market, at least in the U S that I could find. Nice. Um, the first of these two that we're trying today, um, Cuddy Stark original. Um, like I said, that's the one we're trying today. And this is the one that pretty much the bottle shape has changed slightly um, over the years. But it's always stuck with like the green bottle with yellow label, which is rumored with the original Cuddy Sark ship, like a photo of it. Okay. Um, but the rumor is that the reason it was a yellow label on the bottle, um, again, is because of a printing error. Hmm. Um. But again, like that, basically stylistically, outside of bottle shape, they stuck with that design since the beginning. First, Cuddy Sark original, and then the only other one that they have, I have yet to see a bottle here in Cincinnati. Not that I've really looked, but I have yet to find one here. Um, is Cuddy Sark Prohibition, which was again going trying to go back kind of to some of the recipes that they had during that time. Sure. Um, that they were, you know, illegally smuggling into the U.S. Right. Um, so, like, those two, like, they found, like, that's what works for them. Let's just stick with it instead of some of these other, these other brands that are, like, creating, like, 30 different offerings or something like that. <laughs> right. Well, uh, I appreciate that. I mean, like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They they, exactly. found, they figured out what's working. So, uh, But as you mentioned, we're going to do, be tasting the Cuddy Sark Original today. So uh, I'm excited. Why don't we dive right on in to start the tasting, guys? Yeah. Uh, we got our glasses poured, so let's do it. As always, we're going to start with the nose. Not super complex. Like, the only thing I'm nice. really getting that oh. is that, like, very grainy, malty note for me. Oh, yeah. 100%. That's kind of, like, the only note I'm personally getting. It's, it's a. It's. I agree. It's not complex. That's what I'm getting as well. It, it, but it's it is a, it's kind of lovely. I I, I like the yeah, those. I like it. It's pretty nice. I would kind of like again for the price. It was like thirty ish bucks, so oh, nice. not the most expensive one you're ever going to find on the market in sure. terms of scotch. Like I'd kind of put it in terms of like 
the doers, the two doers we tried last mm. week in terms of price point, at least, um, yeah. as an introductory whiskey or scotch whiskey, you're going to try for sure. Let's give it a taste. Cheers. Cheers. Again, not a super complex flavor. I mean, it brings a little bit more fruit in on the palate for me, but not like a super long finish. Um, I agree. Getting some a little bit of peat and smokiness, the dark fruits like you talked about. Um, but yeah, again, not very complex. It reminds me a lot of the Doer's White Label, I would say. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, as that's kind of why I compared it to that. Like yeah, it, it's kind of that. It's like that that level kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad. Oh, no, not, not at all. Just, again, another one that it's like, go in knowing that this is one that, like the Doer's White Label, is going to be an introductory Scotch whiskey to try. For sure. And it's not bad. I mean, it, again, it's another blended Scotch whiskey. So, you know, again, directly competes with Doer's being a blended Scotch. But, you know, not bad. Just kind of not super complex. 100%. I would say. Yeah, completely agree. All right, folks, that's it from us this week. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on all of the platforms. Please subscribe, leave a review, listen to and share every episode of Distilled Discussions. And uh, please follow us on our Instagram account. We really do appreciate your guys' support. Have a great week. Pour yourself another whiskey. And don't worry, America, we'll be here to drink with you next week.